Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. All of you listeners out there, thanks for joining us again. <laughs> Just kind of forgot how to talk there for a minute. We're fine. Find your words. Find your words. No, we are good. Uh, no, but thanks for joining in uh, the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. Uh, definitely uh, join us on Facebook. Drop us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, joined by Zach and Robert. Hello. Hey. And uh, so tonight we're kind of switching gears a little bit. Uh, we've gone in depth about a lot of various topics and we've talked a lot about the Bible. But I think we were wanting to explore, there's one thing to read the Bible, mm -hmm. but it's another thing to study mm -hmm. the Bible right. and actually absorb and understand. Mm -hmm. And so I think you guys are going to kind of dive into more of the latter, how to actually, how to, well, not how to read, but how to study, how right. to absorb. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Zach and Robert, take it away. Okay. All right. So, so that was one thing that, um, you know, we've like, like, uh, like, uh, Brian, Brian. <laughs> we've all forgotten to speak. <laughs> it's the cheese from the pizza. I swear it was, <laughs> but like Brian said, uh, you know, th there's been various topics and I feel like we've hit a whole bunch, a lot of various topics, but one important topic is, like the Bible itself um, and how do we read it and because you have some people who will say you know what it's irrelevant and they never read it and they don't want to read it and you know they're okay to have that opinion but their opinion isn't completely valid because even though the book is you know thousands of years old it doesn't mean it's not relevant for us to this day. Um, and so there is a lot of misconceptions about the Bible. There's a lot of traditions uh, about what translation you should use and why you can't use this translation and so on and so forth. And kind of what we're hoping to do tonight is really just to kind of give you not like a comprehensive but kind of like an overview on basic how to get started like if you became a new believer what do you do when it comes to the bible because for christians the bible is central to our understanding of who god is who jesus is and what salvation is and what it is not um and there's all sorts of organizations out there that might uh, give a nod to the Bible, but they don't actually 
or, or it's the Bible plus other things. And so, like, what we hope to do tonight um, is to kind of give you, like, the whet your appetite for Bible study mm-hmm. and how to do that simply because you have um, you have basic, simple, uh, I'm just going to pick up the Bible and read it ideas, and then you also have actual, like, let's dig in and really understand what the Scripture teaches, looking at the Greek, looking at the Hebrew, and things of that nature. And sometimes it gets a little bit confusing, and so my goal, hopefully, in this is tonight, if you listen to this, if you're out there and you're a new believer and you're looking at your Bible and you're kind of like, I need, I know that I need to read this, but I just don't know how. My hope tonight is after this episode, that after you listen to it, you'll at least have an idea of how to move forward and not be intimidated by the Bible and how to understand it <clears throat> properly. So, as we've mentioned in the past, various other um, uh, episodes, the first thing you have to understand with the Bible is the translations that you have today are from the Hebrew and the Greek. The reason why I say those are important is because those were the original languages that the Bible was written in. And the reason why I'm emphasizing that is a lot of people will go like, well, you know, the Bible was written thousands of years ago, and it was written in Greek, and it was written in Hebrew. It's not our native language, therefore we can't understand it. Um, which is a basic baloney argument. Um, there's people out there who do hold that view, but it's not accurate. Because we do understand Koine Greek, which is the, the Greek that um, the Bible was written in, the New Testament. And then we also understand Hebrew. So you can actually, it's like, basically kind of like if I could sum it up this way, it's kind of like someone saying, well, you know, Spanish is a different language than English, and there's some words that don't translate from Spanish to English and vice versa, therefore you can't truly understand Spanish. Well, that argument doesn't fly, but if you apply it to an ancient um, uh document such as the New Testament that was written in Koine Greek, somehow magically that argument then makes sense and is okay to actually argue from, but in reality it's not. We have various documents outside of the Bible, outside of the New Testament that we could actually uh, have an understanding of Koine Greek and then apply that same thinking and same knowledge to the Bible so that we have a better understanding of the Bible, if that makes sense. So, all that said, moving forward, um, I emphasize this point mainly because a lot of times there's a, there is a tradition out there that um, in order, the best Bible translation is the King James Version translation. Nothing wrong with that translation. If you want to read that translation, 
go for it. But there's some people who argue that that translation is the Word of God and anything that deviates from that is wrong and you need to adhere to the King James Version. The reason why I bring that up, especially if you're in the South, is sometimes you'll go to church or a church and they say King James only. And if you show up with another translation outside of that, at best they're going to tell you to leave. So, the reason why I say all this is just preference, like, just be mindful of the translation that you have and the preferences of the congregations around you. Uh, Kind of like a secondary thing, but it's important to talk about because as a new believer, uh, assuming that's the person I'm talking to, there are, uh, how do I say it? Basically, there is traditions that are upheld that shouldn't necessarily be upheld, but we hold it up that way anyways, regardless of whether or not we should or shouldn't, such as the King James. Uh, and they condemn the newer translations. Um, so I just want to kind of touch bases on that because there's nothing wrong with the King James, but there's also nothing wrong with these new translations. They actually just help understand uh, the the evolution of English. And that is an example of it. Like if you look at the King James, you open it and you read it, you can see that that form of English is not the form of English that we speak today. And so because that's not the case, it makes it harder to understand. So one rule one of understanding the Bible is having a Bible in a translation that you understand. I said all that to say that right there. It's important whenever you pick up your Bible, you open it, you can actually read it and understand it. Now, again, I went to Bible college. I met plenty of guys who read the King James, and they understood it just fine, but... Ultimately, it took them a time to of reading to understand that form of language, that archaic form of language. Whereas, if you go out and you pick up one of the new modern translations, there's no like archaic uh, jargon for you to figure out or possibly misunderstand, misinterpret it. So it's like if you go don't have an understanding of the Bible and you go pick up the King James, like you're basically shooting yourself in the foot because you're having to like backtrack into old archaic English and trying to figure out how that works. So it's like, it's adding an additional step to understanding the Bible that isn't needed. If that makes sense. And the modern translations of the Bible you have word for word, thought for thought. Every translation, even King James, is word for word, thought for thought. In other words, they try to translate word for word what a word means. So, like, let's say you're looking at Greek. They'll try to find the equivalent of that Greek word in English. And if they can't, then they try to capture the meaning of the text 
that goes into the idea of the word for word, thought for thought. Um, and that's how anything is translated. Like I said, like if you go and you look at the translate, like if you go and you go buy a toy at Walmart and you look at the back of it, it gives different languages. And each of those languages, whether they have uh, the same you know, characters or not, they have like uh, different forms of, of writing. And so that's kind of like how that works, if that makes sense. And so because of that, um, there's a certain word for word and a thought for thought. So that's where translation gets in, in into it, if that makes sense. And so translations, Bible translations, typically will go either like more into like, okay, I'm going to study, do a word study, and you want a translation that really, really focuses on uh, a word-for-word translation. Um, the uh, Bibles that really focus on that kind of translation is the ESV, uh, the Holman Christian Standard, the NASB, and there might be others, but those are the uh, off the top of my head. Those are like the main popular ones. So those are the ones where you have like more of a word for word. Like they look, they go out of their way to try to translate the exact word to the exact word in English if they can. And then if they can't, then they find the meaning. And then you have other translations. Again, like I said, every translation is a mix of word for word, thought for thought. But there's some translations that do more of a word for word, and there are other translations that do more of a thought for thought. Uh, two really good translations that are more thought for thought are the NLT and the NCV. You can you think of any others, Robert? Um. That would be that would cover most of it. Um, NIV and LT, those are the yep. big hitters for that. Um, if you have one of those, you're definitely settled. I would say that that way I don't just stutter in agreement and then shut up. Yeah, you're fine. Um, I would add the one thought, um, and I think we may have mentioned it on the show before, but be very careful about the fine line between loose translations, which are very helpful. And paraphrases, which have their place, but it's not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And um, I would just say that. Um, so stuff such as the message, um, the living Bible, um, anything in that vein is um, something that I, I would encourage you to have it on your bookshelf. Go ahead and take it and read it if it, if it helps you. But don't take it and think you can study with it. And the reason we say that. Um, the differences between a translation, that's when you're holding, um, as much as we can reflect language, you're holding an accurate reflection of the Word of God. We looked at the original languages, and we tried to make it fold out of that language in the language that you speak. Uh, a paraphrase, it's usually one person, either a Christian author, a pastor, or a psychotic cultist with too much time on his hands out in the woods <laughs> <laughs> reading the Bible and just putting it in his own words, his or, or her own words. And, they, and thoughts. Because, and thoughts, and uh, that's, yeah. And that's where it gets kind of tricky. Because they'll try to ad-lib things to help you understand it, 
But, yeah, when they're not reflecting what the language says, it's just what they got out of it, you will very easily get their own interpretation of some things. Right. And you will start seeing references. In order to modernize it and help you understand the concept very loosely, they'll start to introduce modern elements that are not there in the original text, which is really, really dangerous for someone trying to study anything. Mm -hmm. Right. It's kind of like... You know, like they're they're basically being the middleman, and in a way, you don't want the middleman. You want to be able to go and to the book yourself and read it for yourself. That's kind of like what kind of like what the equivalent of it is. It's kind of like this uh, paraphrase is being a middleman between you and the Bible. Mm-hmm. And when it gets it right, it's fine. But when it doesn't get it right, that's when it's the issue because you're. <laughs> You shouldn't rely on that to be your middleman. Your middleman isn't, you know, this person's paraphrase. That's why you need the actual scripture. Um, so moving forward. So first rule is having a Bible in a translation that you understand. So that's rule one. Uh, and then rule two is having a way of recording and what I mean by that is, me personally, I have a journal that I go and like during my daily devotions, I pick up the scriptures, I like the Bible itself, and I read, um, and then I jot down my thoughts about that passage or whatever in a uh, journal. That journal doesn't have to be anything special, doesn't have to be anything fancy. Uh, you can go to Walmart wherever and pick you up a spiral notebook however much that it is with this wonderfully inflated economy right now whether it's two bucks three bucks whatever and then there you go there's your basic uh 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 tools right there that's what you need um i will throw in a shameless plug for an app there is a bible app called the uh bible hub um i'm going to open up my phone really quick <laughs> i seriously thought you were about to say there's a bible app called the bible app I was like, yeah, Heck yeah. <laughs> no the bible <laughs> hub um and that is a a um as i as you can see i'm showing it to robert i'm showing it to uh brian here thankfully i remembered his name this time <laughs> but this is the bible hub and it's a app that you can get on your phone it has the Bible itself, and you can click on the Bible, and you can pick out the verse. Like as soon as it loads, I'm in a place where there's not really a good signal. Dot dot dot. Okay, so I'm just gonna say it's a place you can basically this uh, app. You can pick out um, what book you want to read. Um, you can pick out the verse. You can pick out the translation. It's got dozens of translations. I mean, it's great. It's a great source. If you're more of a techie and you don't want to actual hold a book, because the thing is, is you know, with this this app, you pick one uh, type of translation of a verse. I'm trying to get it to come up, and because there's slow internet, it's not. Basically, it will highlight that verse 
and then it will give you different translations so you can actually cross-reference without going out and having to invest <laughs> in $100 worth of different translations of the Bible. Which is sometimes just two translations of the Bible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then it has commentaries uh, for, you know, if you want to read, you know, for instance, it talks about John 3.16. It, it mentions the verse and then it has different types of commentaries on it, and it goes to different phrases and so forth and so on. And then you have sermons, which that's not really a big deal, but if you wanted to have some sermons um, or topical Bibles or devotions, this is a great app to have on your phone or a tablet, uh, whatever device that you own, if you're more of a tech person and less of a, I have to have... Like me personally, I love having a Bible in my hands. I mean, that's that's me. I, I have uh, multiple translations, and I cross-reference them. And, you know, not that you have to have that, but those are your basic um, tools for basic Bible study. So then we move into kind of like what are some more advanced tools Um so those go into Bible dictionaries. Um, exp- usually there's a term called exposition or expository, and that just means like they are taking the words in the original Greek and helping you like unpack it and so that you can understand it better. There are helpful tools also called um, a concordance, um, one of the great resources is the Strong's Concordance, and it literally goes through about just about every word in the Hebrew and then every word in the Greek, and it gives you like little meanings. And then, and a lot of times these tools are synced together so that um, if you are you have your Bible open and you want to look up a word, then you go to your coordinates. And you can look up how many times that word's used, what it's meant in that particular context, and then you can go and use the same number reference to an expository Greek or Hebrew, whichever it might be, might be Old or New Testament, and it just helps you understand the Bible. So again, these are tools that just kind of help facilitate your understanding and growing of the Scriptures. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's basic, basically kind of like the general rule of thumb and the tools mentioned there, uh, by no means is it exhaustive, but it just kind of helps whet the appetite a little bit. And I'm going to let Robert talk about actually having the, the downtime and actually talking about those things, like actually putting it into practice. All right. So. Um, that was a lot of information. I'll give you about five mental seconds to compartmentalize. <laughs> or ignore. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine some people here listening to this episode, and there are many episodes like it, and just kind of, whoa. <laughs> but uh, as Zach said, uh, there are a lot of tools. Uh, first, know which Bible you're dealing with, and know which tools that will help you to utilize that Bible the best. But uh, as far as just digging into Scripture... And doing it the best you can. The first thing I would recommend for any new believer 
is take some time to, um, and this sounds a little bizarre. Uh, it's, I'm being metaphorical. I'll go ahead and say it out of the <laughs> gate. But, you know, hop in a plane and get up in the air. Look at your Bible from 60,000 feet. Um, get the big picture. Uh, before you dig too deep into the forests, make sure you understand what the foothills look like, the, the forest as it stretches far away. And what I mean by that is get a good grasp of what the Bible's story is overall. Uh, get a chart that will help you uh, the best to your ability. You don't have to do this, but the best of your ability to memorize the 66 books of the Old New Testaments or at the very least get a good idea of when you hear a name, you'll you'll know which which play which uh, part section to put that in. You'll have an understanding of uh, what that book is basically about. And the reason is that's actually how a lot of people get led astray. Um, they'll begin and they don't know where to begin, so they either start in the beginning. Uh, they don't understand what's going on with snake and snakes and naked people, and why did God freak out because someone ate an apple? It's not an apple, but. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, it goes nowhere unless you know exactly where it's headed. Um, it's kind of like watching a movie and not having any sense of, you know, why you're sitting here watching this during the first 15 minutes. Uh, the setup can feel kind of up in the air. But basically get a gist of um, where the Bible is leading you and why. And, of course, that starts with the person of Christ. But I would recommend, you know, a couple of really good books that... Uh, help you to get the story of Scripture. Now, obviously, I would recommend any study Bible. And what that is, it's a Bible with study notes inside and study helps. And um, you can pick that up, and it'll lead you to certain pages to help you piece that story together instead of leaving you to try to read this from cover to cover uh, without any direction. Now, they can be a little pricey, but to find one good study Bible... Um, I would recommend things like the ESV Study Bible, the NIV Study Bible. They both have the same objective, but their notes are slightly different. Uh, both faithful, I just mean that the content can have different emphases when you're looking at them. But um, another one, another uh, really good book um, would be, you know, something along the lines of um, the Bible at 60,000 feet, I believe it's by uh, 20,000 feet, I believe it's by Skip Heitzig. I'm afraid to really sell myself to that, but another one is um, the story of Scripture. Uh, you know, you could probably do a Google search of that, and they you'd come up with, you know, 100 different versions of that idea written by pastors and Bible scholars, but uh, make sure that you understand their background. Make sure that they're uh, people who aren't part of any established cult that aren't part of, uh, you know, some some small group in their basement. If they are trustworthy, they will help you to piece this story together um, so that you can then zoom in and focus on the trees. Now, the specifics of doing a Bible study, and for this episode, we're not going into any particular passage, but... Imagine you're looking at one, and this can apply to literally anything you're looking at. And there are different genres of scripture. Um, as Zach mentioned a little bit, there are some historical stories, there are some poems, uh, there are some wisdom sayings, kind of like something you'd get out of your fortune cookie. Uh, but they were inspired by God's people to be put into God's word. 
And of course, you have Gospels, which are literally the life of Christ leading up to the to the New Testament and everything that happens involving the birth of the new church. But um, looking at the, at any random passage of Scripture, you actually have the ability to uh, read it before you analyze it and look at it. So any passage you want to look at, um, it could be an entire book of the Bible, or it could go down to a single verse. Anywhere in between there, you can look at the passage. But first, just read it, find out what it basically says. And then again, that's literally as simply as just reading it as it naturally flows in English. But then you got to look at the context. As soon as you read it and get the gist of it, context can be king. Uh, why is that here? Why is that in this book? Why is he saying that? Because usually something in a passage will point to the main purpose of an entire book that it's put inside of. And so if you have an idea of who wrote it, what, who, uh, why did he say it, what was his agenda, what was going on at the time, is this before Christ or after Christ, during Christ, and, uh, you know, just finding out what genre is this. Am I supposed to take some things in here? Everything literally is some of this poetic. Why do I think that? Why should I believe it? And asking yourself, what would this mean to the original person who wrote, who read it first? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we like to take, for example, Genesis. It's one of the first books of Scripture ever written. And we love to take some things and point directly to Christ with it. And that makes a phenomenal sermon, and you will get there. Um, the New Testament looks back at the Old Testament and says that there are a lot of things that point to Christ. But in order to do that, first you've got to get the natural flow of the story. And the reason I say that is, you know, one generation past Moses's writing of Genesis, reading about Abraham, they're not focused on Jesus of Nazareth. They have... No clue who that is. They don't know what's coming. They only have the book of Genesis in front of them, and so they're simply a Jewish person reading about the heritage of their own nation. And so you've got to keep that stuff in mind and then let it jump out from there. So basically I would say read it the way you would a novel a passage. Just figure out what it says, the basics, and you know where in the book does it say that and why. And then once you have the idea of what the original reader would think, then uh, you have to time travel, so to speak, and make it step into the modern world. And uh, what we're talking about is understanding what the ancients understood it to mean and then taking that meaning and applying it in a modern sense. Um, One way I've heard it described is taking it and crossing over a bridge from the ancient biblical world into our own world, the world of light bulbs and vehicles and and fast food and so pizza. pizza. <laughs> and so how do you apply this in a world of television cable and uh, make sure that you're being faithful to the original ancient meaning? I've heard it said that you know there's one, every text has one meaning and it has several applications. But um uh, another source that just popped in my head, I, I just remembered where I got the bridge metaphor from, is a book called Grasping God's Word. Um, it's a bit, pretty big, hefty book, but it has a lot of phenomenal step-by-step practical uh, helps and information to help you get from where you are to where you want it to go. And so some basic questions um, 
the honestly the best way I've heard it explained is look at it like you're reading a newspaper article and you are a detective. Uh, the the all the 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 W questions: who, what, where, why, and wherefore. And so, uh, who's involved? What's going on? When is this? And that falls back into context. Why is this happening? Why is it important? Um, there are a lot of. I, I have so many examples I can never touch on too uh, enough in this episode, but there are a lot of cultural differences between the ancient world and ours, where a story, especially in the early pages of the Old Testament, and something super weird and bizarre to us uh, is presented. And the author just steps, he never explains it. He just steps aside as if you're supposed to gasp or cry or, you know, react the way he thinks you're going to react. And for us, I mean, we've got nothing to give except to scratch our heads. But the the why comes into play, uh, you know, finding what you can about, uh, and this is where your opportunity to do a little research comes into play. And the best thing is it doesn't have to be for a class and a grade, so there's no pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Yes. And so you're digging up uh, culture. You're digging up background information. You're digging up, you know, a reference to a king. Well, who is the king to these people? Who are they referring to? What kind of king was this person? Uh, what was in the news for that per- for those people? What were recent events? Where is their vantage point in time and in place? And, you know, why would this be so important to talk about? goats and and pots and tattoos and woolen clothing i mean the list goes on and on and and that's and not to interrupt you but that's that's one thing like a lot of people will go and say like you know like the bible says not to have tattoos and there's actually a cultural context to that passage there is meaning that we don't get and and People will quote something like that from the Old Testament saying, oh, well, and therefore, if you get tattoos, you're going to hell. And that's not what is being said. It's not what it meant in the original to those people. It had a different meaning to those people at that time than it does to us today. And that's where you kind of get into some of these weird, like, especially in the South, where you have, like, cultural (laughs) Christianity like it's on its way out. It's about to die, and but there's still like vestiges of it, and so there's like sometimes you'll come across like maybe your great, your grandmother or somebody who's kind of been around for a little while will be like, well, you can't go hang out with people who drink, smoke, or chew, or hang out with people who do, you know, like some weird like, okay, well that may might have made sense in the fifties, but not now. And that usually has to do with just some misunderstanding of the text of the time. And that's kind of what we're getting at, what Robert's getting at. Thank you, Zach. But, yeah, um, understanding that stuff will go a long way towards grasping exactly what you're supposed to do with that text. Um, you know, one prime example, uh, when we started recording this episode, um, I'm a Bible fidgeter. I love having a, a physical Bible, and if I'm waiting for something, I'll flip it and play with it. I just can't resist it, <laughs> especially if it has soft leather. <laughs> and I just randomly turn it to a page and glance down while we're killing a few minutes, and just my eyes land on a verse, and I don't remember the context. I don't know if it was a prophet. I think it was, or a psalm. 
but the verse simply said, you shall be bald as eagles. Now, if I take that, I could put that on a razor and start a razor company very easily. Mm-hmm. But what in the world is the prophet slash psalmist slash psychotic person? I could have been quoting Satan in a right, confrontation right. episode for all I know. How do you know that you're not taking that out of context? What does that mean? And so I would have to dig, you know, who is speaking it? Why is they speaking it? Is it in the context of condemning someone wicked or or lifting up and encouraging someone who is down and out and yet they're they are righteous? Um, one of the funniest examples, and it's one of those funny that it, it makes you want to put your face in your palm, but it, it, it kind of reveals how little thought some people um, in today's market put into Christian products. They want to push it. They know people will buy it. And they're ready and eager to make money off of it. But there was a Christian calendar. I don't know which company produced this, but each month had a different quote. And they there was one month in particular where there was um, an inspirational spread, clouds, sunshine. Uh, we've all seen that, that sunbeam glazing across the cloud, and you're staring right into the face of God, uh, <laughs> supposedly. But um, this verse was straight out of Luke chapter 4, and it said, If you will kneel and worship me, I shall give you the kingdoms of the world. He's <laughs> wow. quoting, they're quoting Whoa. Satan, <laughs> and they put it on this calendar as if it's a quote from God. So I can imagine some, I mean, <laughs> it, put someone who loves sports and put someone who loves sci-fi into the room together and watch them get frustrated at each other's lack of knowledge. I can imagine someone who didn't know a Matthew from a Leviticus <laughs> slapping that in there. That sounds nice. <laughs> it does. It really sounds great, but that's actually Satan. Yes, you're quoting Satan. Satan. Bravo for the inspirational calendar. <laughs> Epic fail. Like, bad. Like, <laughs> bang. Boom. The boom. And so that is everything. Another one, I was looking at some Christmas decorations a couple of years ago, and and we see these every year, and I'm not against them, but they do make me laugh. Uh, the Bible scholar in me can't stop being an arrogant pighead sometimes because I see this welcome mat that says, eat, drink, and be merry. And the very next verse in context of that is, for tomorrow we die. <laughs> and so the context is, why not just party it out? We're we're done. <laughs> so it's not as comforting and cozy as the, the cute little tinsel rug at Christmas wants you to think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but... All this to point to the fact that if you're not willing to do your research, and it's like going to the gym. If you're not willing to lift, you can't expect your muscles to just swell in the middle of the night. It's just not going to happen. If you're not willing to do the the heavy lifting, and it's not all heavy lifting. Some of it's very easy to find. You can turn over one rock and find it. Other things, you've got to dig a little more. But if you're not willing to do this, you can't expect your knowledge of Scripture to ever actually get any deeper. Mm-hmm. And... uh so, looking at those questions, who, what, wherefore, uh, who, what, where, why, and wherefore, learning everything you can about that text, and then that last question is wherefore, and I heard a Bible professor explain that as, um, instead of asking, you know, why, wherefore is different in the sense that you're asking what's the point. Well, we learned all this about how the ancients used to live in the desert and they believed in a, a goat demon and they used to do this this ritual and God commanded the Israelites to not do that ritual so they can avoid it and come to him. Why do we care? Because right. you're going to put down that Bible, go meet a friend at you know, 
at the cinema and watch a movie and come home and shave and go to bed. So why do you why did you waste an hour learning about goat demons in the desert? <laughs> uh, and so you've got to find that point of comparison. And what I mean is, how does the spiritual truth behind all this information? How does it fit in to our world in the same context in worshiping the same God? And what that t- and I'm not going to chase the rabbit by explaining uh, any particular passage right now. Those are just f- many examples scattered to the wind. But if you can understand what they thought, how that compares to us, how is their life like ours? How is this truth able to apply to a similar situation that we face today? And go forward in a way that our lives can reflect the lives of the ancients as much as possible in the context of the modern world that we live in. This is how you find out where the ancient world bridges to the modern world and the scripture you've spent all that time studying and all that time learning about and digging deeper into. That's where it has its impact. That is where it turns into something that actually molds your life. And I would say if it doesn't do anything to deepen your relationship with Christ, it doesn't do anything to change anything about how you live your life, it is possible that some of the information you're chasing isn't information that you are using to its greatest ability. I would argue that, and I love Bible study, so I would argue that just about anything you find does have value in and of itself if it can be used in the context of worship. Now, if it is not, if it's just something you're memorizing that hasn't changed anything about your life, then you might want to reconsider what you're doing with the information and why you're uh, trying to gather it up. If you're not using it, why are you trying to gather this information and uh, store it in a way that doesn't change your heart in any way? And so that's the ultimate goal of Bible study. It's not so that we can be be nerds of a, a pool of information and glean as much as we can and argue as much as we can and put our, our flag post in the sand and let it mold our identity. We do it so that we can worship the living God who we believe inspired everything that's in front of our eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And that's the end goal of all Bible Bible study. Yeah. And I, I would just add, kind of like, um, whenever you look for a study Bible... Um, a lot of times in the very beginning, like you'll have the book itself and then it will go over uh, like the author and the date and the major themes and maybe the historical context. So it's not just left up to you to kind of figure it out. There's people, scholars who've gone before you in these um, uh, Bible study Bibles. And that's kind of like the value of having those things um, because they've kind of done some of the legwork for you that way you don't have to try and figure it all out on your own Uh, and that's one of the benefits of a study bible is they're usually coming along help beside you to kind of help you paint that picture so to speak because you can go out at anywhere and get you just a, a a random translation holy bible and you you open it and you've got text and you've got footnotes and you've got stuff that's in bold. You've got stuff that's in red letter. You've got columns in the middle with numbers and letters beside. And it kind of gets confusing. And so by having that study Bible, it kind of helps you kind of 
ease into it, so to speak. That way you're not left to kind of figure it out all for yourself. All these things are helps so that you can then get an idea of the context or you can get an idea of what's going on and why it's so important and what was so controversial at that uh, at the, the day and time of when it was written or what was going on. Um, and again, Robert did a fantastic job explaining that. And, and so uh, anything that I would add to that, I would just say that um, one thing to keep in mind is like there are a lot of helps um and there's also a lot of things that people do that don't really help and what i mean by that is like there are bad habits in bible uh study such as playing ru- uh russian roulette with the bible in other words like you open you you grab yourself a bible and you just randomly open it to luke I mean, you're like you're just randomly picking up the Bible and you're just opening it and it just happens to be... And you open up and you look at the first passage or your, the first scripture that you see and you read it. And you go, oh, that has no meaning to me. Or maybe some God does use it and, you know, it's like it helps that one instance. But then you're like, okay, that's not uh, sound Bible understanding. That's something... Can God use it? Yes, God can certainly use it. But that's why you want to start at the beginning of a book of a of a, a particular author and go along the lines, along the chapters, verse by verse, line by line, chapter by chapter. Because like Robert was saying, the importance of the Scripture, it's there for a reason. It's there building a point. Even if it's an eyewitness about the gospel of Jesus and it's talking about the life of Jesus and going over his teachings, there's a purpose for those uh, chapters and verses. And those are meant to be helps, but they're not some mystical code that um, that you can pick up and it just helps you, un- like, if that makes sense. It's like, it's there, like the, to get the most out of your Bible... It's consistent reading, just like if you want to pick up a book anywhere and you want to read it, you don't, like you go to Barnes and Nobles or what have you, you go and buy, you know, a James Patterson book or whoever. You don't open up the book in the middle of it and go expecting to read it and understand what's going on or then, or going to the last chapters like the book of Revelation and go, okay. I'm going to read it and it's all going to make sense. No, it's not. So that's why we say, okay, you want to start with the beginning. You want to start with the beginning of the book. Even if you don't go necessarily to Genesis, you go to like something like John or the book of Psalms or what have you, you you do that in an organized fashion so that you get that the understanding of, what is being said and why it's so significant and it helps you grow in that way otherwise you're playing russian roulette with a bible and it may or may not help you and then you're understanding like the whole purpose of the bible being out there to where anybody can get it is the point that you anybody can read it and the the history behind that is there's a lot of people who have died 
so that we have the Bible today. I mean, this is kind of a side topic, but we live in a society, at least as of right now, where you can go to the bookstore, you can even go to secondhand shops, wherever, and you can find a Bible. And you can pay anywhere from 2 $3 to 30 to $50, depending on what type of Bible you want, what have you. There are people who went their entire lives with fragments of with the fragments of letters and things of that nature and they never actually had a complete bible but we in this day and time are blessed to actually have a complete bible um that's accessible and have multiple translations and multiple helps and study guides and things of that nature we are fortunate and we and it's, it's stuff that's there for us to use to grow in our knowledge of God and our knowledge of His Word so that we then reflect um, uh, what He would have us teach. So, again, those are the nutshells, nuts and bolts to basically how to study the Bible. And I would also, a prerequisite before those things is getting into a Bible-believing church. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. We've harped on it once, we've harped on it again, and I will do so again and again and again and again. You need to be in church. You need to, if you are a believer, you believe Jesus is God, you need to be in church. Doesn't mean that the church is perfect, doesn't mean that the people are perfect, but find yourself a good Bible-believing church, and if you end up being in a KJV only, just understand that's what they require. So bear with, it. bear with it if that's the only place you can find proper fellowship, what have you. But just again, Bible study plus church equals positive spiritual development. If you have church without Bible study, you're on your own, you're only getting half of it. Or if you do Bible study, but you don't do any church. It's like the church is there to help guide you and direct you and help you develop spiritually, and and also sermons and past. I mean, from pastors help give you kind of snippets and reminders and things of that nature. It's necessary. Church is necessary for the believer. Bible study is necessary for the believer. Um, and there's no substituting those things. You can get a, uh, a app on your phone. You can do the devotions, but you will only grow so far. Whereas if you go to church, that church will challenge you, hopefully, Lord willing, to grow and to act out your faith, to live it out, to go be that salt and light. And you might not understand what reference that is, and that's fine if you're a new believer, but... Understand that that's in Scripture. That's that is understanding the Bible, um, and so I just, again, there's just a shameless plug for you to go find a good Bible-believing church, and then also do your Bible study, and do it every day. I mean, me personally, I get up in the morning, I grab my Bible, I grab my journal, and I read one chapter, and then I write, and I pray. And that's I do that Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I'm usually home taking care of my son. So, like, chances of me getting the chance to read the Bible during those two days 
are slim. So instead of trying to make it mandatory, I just focus throughout the week because I wake up at a time that's where I can do the Bible study and it be most effective for me in the early morning. Uh, but there's no written rule um, with that either. I mean, some people can study better at night. Some people would like to read the Bible at night so that they have, like, they're actually thinking about spiritual things before they go to sleep instead of watching CNN or ABC or Fox News or what have you, where you'll get depressed <laughs> and discouraged potentially or what have you. Um, so, I mean, there's there's options out there, and but that's the that's the two things I want you to take away from this is one get in church get a good bible believing church and two dig into the word of god because that is where transformation happens all right so to land the plane with this uh we've talked about the importance of digging into the word of god as the word of god when it with its full value now usually we try to land the plane with something inspiring or you know, with a lot of spiritual depth. Um, since we're talking about simply Bible study for its own sake, so we can get into the actual art of Bible study later, let's land with something a little silly, just for the fun of it, <laughs> to ease the pain of this information overload. So, a five-minute devotion with no context. So, once upon a time, and I'll just read the the the, the, the verse in just one sentence. I open my Bible on a whim, and I just landed on any short sentence to show how ridiculous you could get if you're not careful. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Now, in the context, we don't know who this leper is, but we can say that the yellow and black spots have probably become very invisible because of the dirt that he has running around in the African tundra. And so the leper comes to someone, we don't know who he is, so... We could use a folk tale and say that a leper met a mouse, and we have two talking animals. And so the leper comes to the mouse, and kneeling says to the mouse, if you will, you can make me clean. And the mouse says, okay, and cleans all the fur all over his bo the leper's body because the little mouse was able to just nibble away at all that dirt. And that's the story of how a leper and a mouse became friends. That's not true. <laughs> Just a little bit of research will tell you leper is not an animal. You're thinking of a leopard. The leper is a human with a disease. He is Jesus. And when he says, can you make me clean? He is talking about spiritual cleanliness. Mm -hmm. Can you heal me of this disease? Can you make me clean by the law of Moses? And there's so much more to that depth. And of course, I did. I stretched that on purpose. But I don't think anybody's really going to go that route. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to do if you took that one sentence out of context. But churches will do things that really are just as ridiculous. And yet they'll go down a more plausible avenue because it's easier to talk about Israel than it is to talk about two talking animals and have the church believe what you're saying. Yeah. But if we're not careful, this is what we tend to do and never even realize it. And now I took a ridiculous one. And now we have, and yet people do the same thing with things that sound less ridiculous, and yet spiritually discerning people know that they are just as absurd, just as ridiculous, because they anything that takes the focus off of Christ and off of the intentional study of Scripture will take you down this route, potentially. But that's all we've got to say. Yeah, that's all we've got to say about that. 
Well, thank you guys. I know I learned a lot. Um, I definitely think we all could study a little bit more. Absolutely. Definitely go and memorize the entire King James. <laughs> and that's that's what I'm taking Huff away from thou this. shall yeah. now. You have to, yeah, you uh, have to memorize it word for word in order to be a good Christian. So that's the, that's the take. No, I'm kidding. But still, um, <laughs> no, um, I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, guys. Um, that was a deep dive into kind of how to study the Bible. And I think next coming up. We're actually going to tackle... We're going to actually put it into practice. We're going yeah. to talk about a particular passage and kind of, kind of like, if 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 it still didn't make sense, we're going to kind of go through it a little bit to, uh, in the next episode. Kind of like how to do it. All right. Well, sounds exciting. Well, everyone listening, uh, appreciate uh, you tuning in to us. Um Definitely uh, visit our Facebook page, uh, the Achieving Christian Thought Podcast. Uh, give us a message. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, give us a like or a view on wherever you're listening. Uh, that really helps us out. And, uh, yeah, we'll dive into some more scripture on the next episode. Rock on. All right. Thanks, all. <laughs>